We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Adam Grossman, a winner of nearly $20,000 in both redraft and dynasty formats with the FFPC. Currently, he's in fourth place in the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, a contest that will dole out a $250,000 grand prize. In this episode, we talk about if the Ravens' skill position players will rebound after their nasty loss in London, the challenges Dynasty players face in not overvaluing rookies in redraft leagues, and who he is targeting on the waiver wire this week. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager David Hubbard, Sousa analyzes Evan Ingram's worth as a rookie in tight end premium formats and what his fab budgets look like in his leagues after three weeks. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. Nelson, uh, Evan Ingram, a big week this week. He pounded out another good game. Is he a guy that, uh, in the FFPC tight end premium format, is he a guy that you're considering uh, for every week's start status in in uh, your leagues there that you own him? Uh, or, I mean, is, is this guy one of the rare rookie tight ends that is going to be productive right away? I, you know, that was something that um, I, I thought all along. And when, when talking with uh, David, we both agreed that uh, this is one of the situation where uh, I, I don't like using this comparison, uh, obviously, you know, not off the field, but on the field, uh, he reminds me very much of Aaron Hernandez. And I, I, I felt like he was the kind of guy that was going to be able to be used uh, right away as a rookie because he's not really an, he's not an inline tight end. So he doesn't have too many blocking assignments, I feel. And he's more of just the move tight end that's, you know, a slot receiver. And uh, they're using him in different formations. I know one of his touchdowns last week, uh, you know, he scored it out of the fullback position. Uh, where he lined up in the backfield. So, yeah, I, he's, a, he's a guy I think that is going to put up, you know, consistent numbers the rest of the year. For your, uh, regarding your waiver wire that, uh, that you and uh, David Hubbard work on every week, he, he said on the, on the show, well, he's actually said numerous times on the show that you guys actually start your waiver wire discussions on Sunday after the games kick off. Like you're already spending Sunday on it, Monday, Tuesday, and obviously they get processed on Wednesday night. Are you guys on the phone – you know, when you're watch, when you're watching games on Sunday or when you can watch games, are you guys on the phone, like, you know, making notes of, okay, this guy just did this, this just happened here, uh, or are you just take, taking, you know, waiver wire notes uh, on your own and then, you know, compiling them and discussing them later? Uh, absolutely. So it, it'd be pretty kind of, you know, we, we could take like a, a whole episode of describing, you know, our typical, you know, Sunday, Monday, you know, Wednesday routine. But um, on Sunday, you know, we're texting back and forth all day. We're on the phone uh, at times, you know, especially when certain situations happen. Let's say, you know, we see an injury, uh, you know, for example, you know, whether, you know, week one, Robinson, Danny Woodhead, uh, David Johnson, you know, last week, um, you know, you had the Darren Sproles injury, and, and we're already processing it. We're already talking on the phone, you know, talking about, okay, what, what guy is, or uh, what, and what guy, what player is going to benefit from this in- injury? And, what, you know, what does this look like? Uh, how many times is he available in our leagues? Um, you know, it, and then definitely already on Sunday, just because of the sheer amount of teams we have, we're already looking at, uh, next week's games already, you know, planning uh, defense pickups. So that that's like one of the first things we do is we're picking up, uh, lo- looking at the matchups, picking up the defenses, looking at the Vegas lines, uh, you know, maybe cleaning up kicker. And then we're waiting till after the one and four o'clock games uh, are over. Uh, and then we're talking during that low uh, between the four o'clock and the Sunday night game, we're uh, on the phone together. We're looking at 
uh, scores, matchups for the week. Uh, you know, what, how, how do things look at, look like, um, you know, for our, our teams, you know, scoring wise for the week. And then we're also talking about, okay, what, what does this look like, um, you know, for the rest of the week as far as possible injuries, possible pickups. So we, is this, is this a quiet week this week? Not going to really be spending much money, you know, things like that. That's crazy. You're right. You, we could do a full episode, maybe multiple episodes about the, um, the process that you guys go under, and, you know, in those, you know, 72, 96 hours, whatever it is, um, leading up to, to, uh, to the waiver wire deadline. That's, uh, that's crazy, man. Um, what, uh, one of the things that I thought uh, was interesting, we saw polar opposites, uh, with Dolphins receivers, um, from week two to week three. Yeah. Jarvis Landry go for 13, uh, for, I believe 78 yards in, in week two, obviously a big time performance. Um, in uh, the FFPC, uh, Devontae Parker didn't do much. But now this week, you know, granted a lot of it was in garbage time, but Parker gets eight catches, uh, almost hits 100 yards, gets the touchdown as time expires. And Landry uh, was sort of, um, you know, non-existent in, in the fantasy landscape. Which one is real? Which, I mean, is it Landry? Is it Parker? Or ha- is what we saw from week two to week three, is that something we should just get used to where it's going to be one of the guys every week, we'll just never know which one it's going to be? Yeah, I, I think from what I saw in the preseason and just kind of uh, understanding a little bit of history with Cutler, uh, he seems to lock on to one receiver. Uh, it seems like he prefers the, you know, the the bigger outside receiver. Um, you know, he's he's got an arm, so he's he's not afraid to throw it outside the numbers. Um, you know, the the Landry situation, I I think it's going to be hit and miss. You know, there's going to be some weeks where, you know, he's going to catch, you know, 10 for 80. Um, and then there's going to be other weeks where he, d- he doesn't do so much. So, you know, I, I think you-, you could see some weeks where it- it's a little bit hit and miss. But I, I, liked- I would like to think that, uh, you know, this is going to be Parker's, you know, breakout year this year. Yeah, I know a lot of people, and this is a guy that, that was really rising up draft boards, you know, in, in um, the early to middle part of summer, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, in drafting season. And he sort of he sort of dropped a little bit, I would say, in the, in the last half of August, but this is a guy that a lot of people were on, a lot of smart people were on, um, and, and trying to get him on, on, uh, on their teams. Jay Cutler said, like, uh, you know, compared to Malshawn Jeffrey, and we all know what that guy is capable of. I'm curious, and final question here, Nelson, uh, before we let you go. How are your uh, fab budgets doing? How how are the waiver bucks? Um, I, I, do you have a ton remaining in a lot of leagues? Did you blow most of them in, in, uh, in a lot of your leagues? How Or is it just a mixed bag at this point? Um, I, I'd probably say uh, a good majority of them are probably in the uh, 600 to 700 range. Um, is, is what I'm noticing. Uh, you have, you know, some teams where, you know, we're probably at 300 because there was, you know, a couple of players that we, you know, di- didn't, you know, wanted to go get and, and made sure we got them. And then there's some leagues where, you know, the team was, you know, well-drafted and we've had some fortunate uh, things go our way where, you know, the, the later handcuff running backs, I guess you'd call them, um, you know, have panned out. So there's really no, not much moves to make, you know? So, um, but I, I would say a majority of the teams are in the six, 700 range, which, you know, in an 11 week, um, 
uh, season, I, I think we're in good shape. Yeah, we're definitely we're more in, uh, than 25 percent into the season. And, and uh, I know a lot of people like to spend a lot of the money early. So as we go forward, guys will probably get a little bit cheaper just because of, um, you know, the, the lack of uh, supply of, uh, of bidding dollars to use. So you guys are definitely in good shape there. And we're in good shape on this podcast now that we got some more knowledge from you, Ellison. I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck to you in uh, in week four. Hopefully the ball bounces your way and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's the fourth-place team in the 2017 FPC, Adam Grossman, giving us the high-stakes lowdown. Adam, when you are not playing uh, high-stakes fantasy football, tell the listeners what you do for a living. Uh, Balky, uh, first off, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Love this show. Um, I'm a podiatrist uh, in southwestern Pennsylvania near the Pittsburgh area, so big Steeler fan, married, beautiful wife and four lovely daughters. So very, uh, very lucky. I don't think we have, as I look over this, I don't think we have any specific Steelers questions, but let, let's just uh, put this out here right now. If you, if you own Le'Veon Bell or Martavis Bryant in, in a high stakes league, are you concerned right now? Or, or do you expect bigger things from those guys uh, going forward? No, I'm not concerned. I mean, I, I really expect, I think it's it, obviously with Martavis, especially it has to do with the layoff. Le'Veon, you know, missed all of camp. I, that offense, just too talented. They'll be rolling soon. And uh, I don't, unfortunately, have them in any you know, my redraft leagues, but I think they'll both be just fine. The uh, 2017 Football Guys Players Championship is uh, coming up. Uh, well, it's, essentially, we're past the quarter pole in the regular season there as we enter week four uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, and you are crushing it there right now, my friend. Top five team for you. Talk a little bit about how your draft for this team uh, played out. In the first six rounds, you load up on five receivers and one tight end. And then you go running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, running back. Six straight uh, running backs in a row. I'm curious as to the thoughts, uh, if, if this was premeditated strategy or this is simply how the board fell trying to take the best player available. Uh, absolutely not a premeditated strategy. I mean, I am a little bit zero RB kind of a guy, but, you know, going into a draft, as you know, they all, you just never know. They fall differently. Sometimes, you know, different players will fall to you in this particular draft. It was just receivers just kept falling to me. Um, and then, you know, after, you know, uh, and I was able to get Kelsey fairly late, you know, in, at, uh, at two ten, uh, which is pretty late for an FFPC draft. And then, you know, some really good receivers fell to me. And then at that point, I just started pounding running backs, uh, high upside uh, guys I thought had a chance to hit and obviously got very lucky getting Kareem Hunt at, in the ninth round, who has uh, uh, really produced and really helped propel this team, which is obviously with all those receivers and, and tight ends strong elsewhere. It really has propelled it to, uh, you know, the top uh, five uh, current status. So. Yeah, Hunt, obviously, and we're going to talk about Hunt in a little bit because I want to get into that a little bit of, of how you acquired him. Do you, you know, given that you, you have had a penchant for applying the zero RB strategy to drafts, I mean, do you feel like that kind of worked to your advantage knowing that you had some experience and how to treat the mid-rounds after you had loaded up on receivers and, and got your stud tight end early and, and you knew what running backs would be there, you knew which ones you wanted to target. I mean, I, I feel like if you if you are normally applying that strategy, you start to get good at it uh, after a while. Yeah, I think so, Bulky. You know, it. Uh, I really like – I was kind of targeting Derrick Henry in a lot of these drafts in the se seventh, eighth round. I was able to get him in several of them. 
Um, I, you know, I, I like DeMarco, but you know, he, if anything happens to him, uh, Derrick Henry could be a complete game changer. And if I were able to pair him with Hunt, it could really make this team, uh, potential, you know, uh, title contender. Well, it is anyway. I Duke Johnson. I was able to get James White, who I was targeting a lot in the 10th, 11th round too. just some high upside pass catchers. Got unlucky with Jonathan Williams. I was kind of shocked he got cut, but, you know, listen, not right all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, you're correct. You know, if you do do some zero RB, you kind of have a group of running backs that you like to target. And, uh, you know, it's so, like I said, at this point, it's kind of played out pretty well for this team. Yeah, I'm with you on Derrick Henry, too. That was a guy that, that for my third running back in a lot of leagues, I was looking at either him or Kareem Hunt, um, you know, when I was drafting earlier. And I just, for whatever reason, I ended up going with Henry more often than Hunt. And I'm kind of regretting that right now. But Henry still has a, a lot of potential uh, for uh, for being that, that league winner type of running back, especially if Murray uh, gets a little bit dinged up here, uh, even more than he already is. Uh, Adam, what what do you say? I mean, because a lot of content sites out there and uh, a lot of, um, you know, players will say that they want to wait until the last possible moment, last possible day for their draft. So they have the most possible information, um, you know, at their disposal. Uh, but your squad in the top five here, this was drafted nearly three weeks before the start of the NFL season. And, and you had gotten bit by injuries here. You lost Allen Robinson. You already mentioned the Jonathan Williams cut, but you're still in fourth place overall. Talk a little bit about why it was advantageous for you to draft this team when you did. So obviously pluses and minuses to both. I can see your, uh, a person's rationale for wanting to wait, but you know, by drafting where I drafted this team, uh, you know, I'm never getting Kareem Hunt in the ninth round. I mean, he's a complete game changer at this point of the season. And if you waited late, you had to draft him in the first round. Or in some case, you know, like at the main event, uh, you had to draft him at 1-1 if you wanted him. Um, so you just get, in my opinion, you can draft some more value later on um, if, if you make this, um, uh, do your draft earlier in the season. Um, I, I did do a few later. And, and those teams aren't bad, but I just was not able to get as much value you know, in the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th round as I did in this draft. So I think that, and, and listen, if you want to wait until the last possible minute, I'm not saying that that's a bad decision. We've seen a lot of people win the uh, football guys players championship. Well, not a lot, but a significant amount um, of people win it who drafted a week before the season started or a week and a half before the season started. So there certainly is that possibility, but when you have 7,200 teams in this contest and, and you're trying to get that roster that, that is, is going to be explosive, you want that volatility. And there's a ton of volatility in late July, in early August, in mid-August. And, and once all that information is out there that, that you want to, to have for your drafts, it's available to everybody. And, and there is the, the volatility is gone. That is absolutely true. And if, if you consider yourself a better player, I think you do have an advantage by drafting earlier. Um, you know, you mentioned Allen Robinson, you know, first I, you know, I took him late fourth. I wasn't thrilled with taking him there, but I thought it was going to be good value. I thought he had a good opportunity to bounce back at that point. I lost him, which, you know, for, you know, after going, you know, a couple plays into the season, but fortunately being zero RB, I'm still pretty stacked at wide receiver. So it wasn't a huge loss for me. Um, so, you know, that's one of the advantages I think of going early. Yeah, you definitely are loaded at that position uh, even with that injury. Let's talk about one of those receivers that you had taken in the fifth round. Now, in the fifth round of, of Football Guys drafts, as I look at this draft here, it seemed fairly 
um, standard, uh, fairly chalky when, when I look at the receivers that, were, that went in this round. Now, you had your pick of guys like Golden Tate, Devontae Adams, Sammy Watkins, Julian Edelman, Larry Fitzgerald. They all went in the fifth round. Uh, you ended up taking uh, Stephon Diggs, who has had two massive weeks and, and one lackluster week, but obviously those two massive weeks have put him right up at the top of, uh, of the receivers uh, for the 2017 season. Talk a little bit about why Diggs was your selection there. And I think the lackluster week possibly has to do a little bit with Case Keenum, even though he did bounce back uh, week three with Case Keenum. Uh, yeah, Diggs was, you know, going into these drafts, I don't have a lot of plans, but Diggs was a target of mine, and I took him in every single redraft league in the fifth round, Pierre Garcon in the sixth. Those were my two kind of guys, quote unquote, this year. Diggs, um, I just thought, you know, you're, you're trying to hit upside here. As much as I like, say, a Julian Edelman, or a Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is still second or third in a pecking order. Julian Edelman put up a nice year last year, but Gronk was hurt last year. They didn't. Then they brought in Cooks this year. Hogan had a nice year. Just a lot of miles to feed there. Um, Larry Fitz, you know, you can never go wrong. And, you know, he had a monster week this week. But I just thought the overall upside with Diggs was there. Plus, you know, a lot of guys have been touting him for, especially on the road of his website, you know, Sean Siegel. Very smart guy, has been touting him for a few years. So uh, when in doubt, just listen to smart guys, and it usually pays off. Yeah, that's that's definitely this is why this is listen this is why I host all these shows so I can listen to yeah, smart right. guys and, and uh, pick their brains and, and exploit it for my own fantasy personal fantasy knowledge. I want to talk a little bit about dynasty here, Adam, because you you play some dynasty leagues with the uh, FFPC as well, including. Uh, the 2500 Dynasty League, and you just made a trade in there that that I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on. I know the Dynasty guys will uh, appreciate this analysis. Uh, You trade A.J. Green and Will Fuller, a pair of receivers, and then you get a receiver and a back uh, in return. You get Marvin Jones and then Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Talk a little bit about why this trade made sense for your squad where it sits right now. So uh, me and this owner have been going back and forth for a week or two. Um, he, uh, you know, I never really asked him, but I, I think he wants to get rid of Zeke. The potential six-game suspension, you know, he's shown that he, you know, lacks judgment at times. And, you know, I usually don't love taking these types of players on my dynasty team. But, you know, I have David Johnson, who I've lost, you know, for the majority of the year on that 2,500 team. Um, and this just getting... Zeke in to pair with C.J. Anderson gives me a little more flexibility because um, I'm in pretty pretty good shape at wide receiver, uh, you know, in those spots uh, on that team. So I just thought it gave me more flexibility, gave me a better chance to compete this year, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think about A.J. Green's dynasty value right now, and, and, you know, it's not like he's old, but he's not super young anymore. And I think about where where it's at in as, as far as the 2017 season goes. You have an offense that really struggled the first two weeks of the season. They get the new offensive coordinator in there in Bill Lazor, and A.J. Green blows up with, with 10 catches, sort of 100 yards and a touchdown. I feel like if you wanted to move A.J. Green, this is, this is about peak value of, of what you can get for him right now. Yes, absolutely bulky. It, and, and that's, you know, I held on to him, you know, like I said, we were discussing it last week. His offer, you know, um, was he wanted a lot more last week for Zeke, you know, added to AJ Green. And then this week after AJ had his big week, the price kind of has gone down. So 
Uh, if I was going to pull the trigger, this was the week to do it. So um, you never like, I, you know, I'm a big AJ Green fan. I have him on several dynasty teams, but if um, you know, to get a 22 year old running back and giving up a 29 year old receiver, it's uh, you know, it, if you're going to do it, this was the week to do it. How difficult is it, Adam, when when you know you have these rookie drafts at the FFPC uh, shortly after the NFL draft in mid-May, uh, and and obviously uh, everybody's all about the rookies then. And and it, I've talked to other players that said like it is kind of difficult when you get done with those rookie drafts and you want to start doing some redrafts in June and July. It's difficult to kind of flip that switch back to annual draft mode or redraft mode um, because the, these rookies are still so prevalent in your head. How, how, uh, how is it for you? I mean, do you struggle with that as well to, to kind of deflate that rookie value when you get back into redraft mode? Honestly, and, and I don't know why, but fortunately for me, that really hasn't been an issue. I really, as much as I love Corey Davis and uh, a few of the other receivers, I've never been uh, big on taking rookie receivers. Now, granted, there's been years past where sometimes that's burned me. Same with rookie tight ends. They just historically tend to not to produce. Now, this year, a couple of the running backs I liked. I didn't take them as early as some of these. You know, some people were targeting uh, Leonard Fournette and um, uh, uh, Mixon and Dalvin Cook a little earlier than I would have taken them. Not that I didn't like the guys, but uh, people I've noticed tend to take the rookies a little higher than I'm willing to. So um, not that I don't like them, but it's just uh, usually works out that I don't have a lot of rookies on my team. Adam, let's get back uh, to the Kareem Hunt conversation because what he's doing right now is, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but it's its pretty rare uh, for a rookie to come in and, and not even like a first or second round uh, pick uh, for him to come in, step in what he's doing. Three bananas weeks for him uh, right up at the front of, uh, you know, the fantasy MVP conversation, the really the most um, productive fantasy player regardless of Brown uh, at this point. Now, as we look ahead, until into 2018, if he keeps this up, is he the number one pick over guys like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Brown? You know, maybe we throw in Gronk back in there if he keeps this up this year in the number one pick conversation in the FFPC. Where does Kareem Hunt land in that? Oh, I would say, you know, I think we're talking more mid first here, Bulky. I mean, listen, again, I'm thrilled he's on my team. He's playing very well. And as a ninth round pick, you know, I'm very happy. Unfortunately, you know, he's not getting the touches that those guys, you know, um, last year, for instance, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell uh, received. So, you know, he has, what, a 50-yard touchdown uh, run or reception every week so far this year. It's just not sustainable, unfortunately. So I, I think he's going to – he's still going to have very good production, but his current level is going to kind of get down into maybe the 16, eight, 17, 18 points per game uh, type, which will probably lend to more of a mid-first uh, round redraft pick next year. That Chiefs offense kind of reminds me of like like one of these high school powerhouses where they, you know they play against these teams where you need all 11 defenders on the same page at the same time because if one guy slips, if one guy messes up, guys like Kareem Hunt, guys like Tyreek Hill, they will make you pay and take it to the house. I mean, that two guys on that team that at any time – uh, can you know create uh, take like what should have been a four yard run and take it seventy yards to the house? It's just insane uh, what we thought about that Chiefs offense a few years ago. And now you look at those playmakers they have in there. And Travis Kelsey who isn't necessarily a home run hitter, but has also been very valuable this this uh, this uh, this year as well. It's going to be interesting to see what that Chiefs offense does going forward when when Pat Mahomes is the quarterback there too. 
Well, I think Andy Reid puts these guys in a really good position to succeed. He has shown over the years he's a really good offensive mind. And, I mean, Alex Smith, I mean, he's not, you know, your superstar um, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, but he can get these guys in position to uh, make plays, and that's all you really need on an offense when you have playmakers like that. When I was commissioning, you know, a lot of these football guys drafts and FFPC satellite drafts uh, this summer, I saw C.J. Fedorowicz uh, being selected, not necessarily as a starting tight end, but uh, as a like a top 15 to 20 tight end. You know, after you get your starter, you look at Fedorowicz as a guy who uh, was going to be heavily involved in that Houston offense as, as potentially the number two option. He goes down. Uh, with a uh, concussion, he's out for the year. And Ryan Griffin uh, comes back from his own concussion uh, in week three. Five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. So obviously great production for a tight end premium format. You look at what Ryan Griffin can do uh, in this Houston offense. Can we expect more lines like this with Deshaun Watson throwing to him? Uh, I don't think so, Balky. I mean, uh, Ryan, uh, he's a good player, and he'll be a solid flex play possibly during the bye weeks for instance last week I kind of targeted Ben Watson who I expect to give 12 to 14 points per game happy to have that on my bench but I'm not thrilled if Ryan Griffin's my starter you have to take it with a grain of salt what he did last week New England has been horrible against tight ends this year they've already given up four um, tight end ones weeks already in only three weeks which means a couple you know one team had two tight end ones against them uh, this week, they get Tennessee, who's also not very good against the tight end. So Ryan Griffin may be a good flex play this week. Going forward, he would be nice during the bye, but I'm not sure I want him as my starting tight end. One of the things that I've uh, applied so far this season, it kind of came back to bite me uh, this past week when I thought Carolina would have a good week uh, against the New Orleans defense. And, and outside of Christian McCaffrey, uh, no, nobody really did. I look at the New England Patriots defense, and it really hasn't been all that good. In fact, you could make the case it's been bad. Uh, they gave up a lot of points to Kansas City. They gave up, you know, 20-plus to New Orleans. And then again this week, uh, they're in a dogfight in a, in a shootout-type game against a rookie quarterback. I'm almost thinking that whoever New England's playing, not only because their defense is, has been suspect, but because their offense is so good and can get into these shootouts and, and can put points up on the board, the New England defense might be a, a, a defense to look at to, to stream guys uh, against them, uh, given how they have not looked good and, and have given up points and yardage this season. Man, they've been brutal. I mean, I targeted them uh, this past week as, uh, you know, when I'm streaming defenses. Uh, you know, they have, they're going against Houston or going against a rookie running back. You would think Bill Belichick should be able to destroy that team. And it didn't really work out that way. But, you know, um, you know, yeah, you're right. We have three weeks of uh, data points and the uh, New England defense uh, really doesn't look good. Moving over to the uh, Denver backfield, C.J. Anderson was leading the league in rushing uh, after two weeks. I don't know if he still is, uh, to be quite frank, but I know he's still up there. But Jamal Charles actually looked very, very good uh, this past week, uh, finding the fountain of youth. Devontae Booker is going to be back shortly. If it's not week four, I mean, it's got to be week five. He's, he can't be that too far away. Uh, so how worried are you about C.J. Anderson, not, maybe not necessarily his efficiency, but his workload potentially going down and, and, and maybe looking at him, you know, potentially not starting him every week uh, as, a, as the number two running back? No, I'd be I, going forward. I think I'd be very comfortable with C.J. as long as he stays healthy as my RB2. Um, I think Denver has shown that they want to give Jamal Charles eight to ten touches a game. That's it. 
no matter how good he looks. Now, that could change, you know, week 13, 14, 15. But for right now, I think CJ's role is steady and he's just going to be fine. He did outsnap him almost two to one, maybe even three to one uh, this week. Uh, even though the touches were closer. Devontae Booker, we saw him last year. He really doesn't uh, scare me in terms of uh, cutting into CJ's production at all. You know, John Harbaugh took his team to London this past week, and they got shellacked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Harbaugh said afterwards that uh, they won't be going back to London anytime soon. But I'm almost wondering that there might be something more at play uh, than an overseas trip affecting this team. Uh, was it simply just one of those games and you just write it off and forget about it and move forward? Or is there something deeper here uh, with the Ravens skill position players? I mean, Joe Flacco, I've seen cut in leagues. Obviously, Mike Wallace, I've seen cut in leagues. Terrence West, given the fact that he did not come back into that game after he fumbled and Alex Collins actually looked pretty good. I think he might be cut in a few leagues this week. And then you have to consider uh, Buck Allen, a guy who was in a lot of lineups this week, let a lot of people down despite, you know, I think he still had five catches. Uh, maybe you look at benching him, Jeremy Macklin, obviously, uh, he left with a concussion for a bit and came back in, but still also only had one catch. And then Ben Watson, who you alluded to earlier, had that big week two. And then uh, week three, he really let a lot of people down. Uh, and I think all those guys, you can make a pretty good case for benching them this week. Is, is, was it one of those games or is there something that we need to be paying attention to here as fantasy owners to the Ravens players? Well, let's quickly go over that again real quick. Flacco, Terrence West. Buck Allen, Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, Ben Watson. If you hear those names. You're a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Does that scare you? It does not. Not, not at all. <laughs> not at all. It's, you know, unfortunately, um, I think you're going to have a few games, you know, because that team's going to be behind a lot this year. Buck Allen as a PPR, he'll bounce back. He'll be okay. Ben Watson still had almost 12 points this past week. Um, garbage time TD always helps, but – um, other than that, no, I really don't want any Joe Flacco or Terrence West um, or Jeremy Macklin or Mike Wallace. It's a team that uh, just doesn't have uh, skill position players that would scare me at all if I'm a defensive coordinator. You know, from a dynasty standpoint, Adam, they might be a team to pay attention to to see what they do in the draft as far as a running back or receiver because if they take one on, on day one or day two, those and again we're looking way too far in the future in this but they could be immediate contributors in in fantasy next year yeah speaking of dynasty how about Brashad Perryman also I forgot you know he's on that team too he has been a bust along the lines of, Ke- of Kevin White in the same draft class so um yeah I, I would think that that team has to seriously consider addressing skill position players at all levels uh next year in the draft they definitely need to uh to to add some playmakers on that team uh, Adam, it, it has been uh, a pleasure. The time has flown by. I wanted, I do want to ask uh, one other question here uh, before I let you go. Um, a player that uh, was drafted high in FFPC leagues, a, a player that uh, was was being counted on for a lot this year that you think that there's a lot of red flags and, and uh, you need to really be worried about this player and maybe consider benching him in, in certain instances. And then a guy that uh, you'll actually be targeting uh, on the waiver wire this week that you're going to try to get in some of your leagues. So with the nervousness, I was kind of thinking year long as opposed to just this week. A couple guys uh, that I was thinking about. One really wasn't drafted early, but I think you have to really be start being concerned if you're a Cam Newton owner, whether it's in Dynasty or in Redraft. I don't know if it's the shoulder or what's going on. He just looks horrible. In terms of this week, maybe, you know, a uh, little nervous if I'm a Jordan Reed owner. 
Uh, a little nervous if I'm a Jay Ajayi owner. They really cut back on his usage in week uh, uh, week three. So uh, those are a couple guys I would be a uh, little nervous about putting out there. Before you um, answer the, the waiver wire question, I'll get back to the Cam Newton season-long question, cause I, and I did want to frame it that way uh, for a guy that you're worried about for the rest of the season. Since he is the quarterback and the leader of that offense, if you're concerned about him, are you also concerned about guys like you know, Kelvin Benjamin or, or Jonathan Stewart, Christian McCaffrey, Devin Funches. Does, does it trickle down to any of those guys, given how bad Newton looked against a really bad defense last week? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good point, Falky. You bring up, uh, if, if he was going to have a breakout at all, it was going to be against New Orleans, who everybody breaks out against. And that just didn't happen. You know, Christian McCaffrey had a nice game with, you know, some dump offs. But, um, you know, losing Greg Olson certainly doesn't help, you know, but, yeah, Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches hasn't looked good. And, and I don't know if that's a product of uh, uh, Cam just not being able to get them the ball in good positions. But, yeah, I think it definitely has a trickle-down effect for everybody except maybe Christian McCaffrey, who uh, just is going to catch his little dump-offs and then do his thing. Yeah, maybe if you're a McCaffrey owner, you, you root for Newton being uh, incompetent enough to, to not get the ball downfield to Benjamin and Funches and forced to – you know, create these 10 catch for a hundred yard games for McCaffrey. And if he gets in the end zone, so be it. But he, he was the one guy that like I own McCaffrey in a bunch of spots this year. I wasn't at all upset with his production last week, even though Cam Newton could not, uh, could not lead the offense to, to very many points. Exactly. Uh, a guy that, you know, full disclosure, we're recording this before the FFPC waiver wire runs, but uh, people who are listening to this now, the, the waiver bids have been processed. Uh, a guy, when you're looking at your teams today, uh, a Thursday or Thursday morning, that you're hoping to see uh, some new players on. What player are you hoping to see on your teams? Well, there's a couple guys that are, I think, obvious, quote-unquote, guys. Andre Ellington's going to be picked up if he's available, and Wendell Smallwood. Those two guys are obvious picks. But if you're playing in these leagues that you're trying to win some, you know, the, uh, you know, the two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize in, in the case of the football guys league. You need to be a step or a week or two ahead of these guys. So um, I have I was scouring the waiver wire, and these guys are not at the top of the list. So you have to look down. Will Fuller coming back from injury, he was available in a couple of my leagues, shockingly. And the the one guy who I think you you better grab right now because if any more information comes out about Ezekiel, it definitely getting that suspension. Grab Darren McFadden and or. Um, uh, Alfred Morris this week before they become too expensive if Zeke gets suspended. If they if he doesn't get suspended, you can still cut him. But if he does and one of those guys becomes a starter, you have a six-week guy that will uh, could really help carry you through the middle uh, uh, weeks of the uh, season to get you into the playoffs. Proactive, proactive, proactive. I always, especially at this level, you, always, you don't want to look necessarily guys who can help you this week. You want the guys that are going to help you next week and the week after. I, I think anytime you can pick up a guy uh, a week a week earlier, uh, it always bodes well for your fantasy roster if, if you can handle that. Uh, Adam, listen, this has been a, a pleasure having you on. I want to uh, wish you best of luck uh, the rest of the way, not only in this football guys team uh, that you have in the top five, but all of your leagues, all your dynasty leagues as well. Uh, and uh, listen, if uh, if any of us are ever in Pennsylvania and having some foot problems, we're going to look it up. <laughs> Sounds good, Bulky. As always, good talking to you. Thanks for having me on.
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.